first, last, and only episode five of We Podcast, and we know things. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me, as always, is Sam Matoro. We are recording on the week of Saturday, August 27th. Oh, it's been five episodes already, Sam. Hey, time's going fast, man. Yeah, this is exciting news, and we have some more exciting news to share with you. For the first time ever, we can finally say this episode is brought to you in part by Loot Crate. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh Loot Crate and, and we podcast that we know things have joined up as the uh, as affiliates and we just wanted to kind of shout that out and say how excited we are that uh, we are now partnering with Loot Crate to bring you the show. So what we ask of you is uh, if you don't know what Loot Crate is, it's a monthly subscription service that basically uh, you pay X amount of dollars per month and then Loot Crate sends you a goodie box every single month of a different theme. This week's theme, I'm sorry, this month's theme, September's theme is Speed. If you're looking for high-octane, adrenaline-pumping theme, look no further than Speed, featuring some of pop culture's quickest characters and vehicles from the Arrow, Flash, Battlestar Galactica, Iron Man 2, Gone in 60 Seconds, and Batman. You have until September 19th at 9 p.m., Pacific Standard Time to order to get this month's crate. It's amazing. I know what I'm going to be ordering this week. Loot Crate is fantastic. Um, it basically satisfies the, satisfies the inner nerd within all of us. They send you a whole bunch of random stuff um, with, like I said, with that theme every single month. But they always give you a wearable too, so it's really neat. So no matter what, you always get value. I believe it's up to forty dollars, um, even so high as sixty dollars in value. But you pay much less than that for the subscription. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Oh, you can't beat it, especially all the like, nerdy gifts, like you said, that you get each week or each month, excuse me. Yeah. So the way you can help out our show and the way you can help out Loot Crate is by going to WePodcast and WeKnowThings.com and clicking on the, the Loot Crate banner. That will take you directly to our Loot Crate page. Um, or you can go right on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash WePodcast and WeKnowThings. Or... Or go to the show notes. So if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, each episode has a note in it, right? If you click on the episode with your thumb right on the um, your iPhone or your Android device, or if you're doing it from your computer on iTunes, there's a basically a description of the episode. We're gonna have our link in that in our show notes. That way you can either copy and paste or click a hyperlink and just take you right to that page as well. So three different ways to get to our Loot Crate page. It would really help out the show every. Everything that we get from our Loot Crate partnership goes directly towards making this show better, whether it be equipment, whether it be, um, no, basically, really, equipment is kind of what, <laughs> we, what we would do. We would want to make this show as best as humanly possible. We promise to bring you the best content every single week, and Loot Crate has stepped up to affiliate with us, and we are so excited for that opportunity. Yeah, definitely check out their website. They have always goodies coming to you. Can't beat it. So let's get into the show this week. We got a really good show for you. It's going to be a slamming good time. Did I, did I do it? Yeah, you, you got it. Okay. Right. All right, so we're going to run down um, McGregor Diaz. We're going to run down that. We're going to go into some SummerSlam recap, not match by match, so just kind of overall thoughts. And then we got some really different stuff for you this week. But as always, we're going to end it on Sam's Pokemon journey. It's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, of course. So let's talk about the UFC fight, Sam. Um, I mean, I, I didn't watch it live. I didn't pay, you know, 80-some dollars like everybody else. I waited till the next day when it's free on Facebook. So I'm going to... It was that. Did you, did you see the fight by any chance? I don't. I don't. So the one thing you'll know about me, um, after the fight, it was Saturday night. SummerSlam was that Sunday, this past Sunday, and it was really funny. 
uh, because everybody, when I woke up on Sunday morning, everybody's talking McGregor Diaz, McGregor Diaz. So I put a Facebook status up on my personal page where I basically said, all these people talking McGregor Diaz, yet Finn Balor fights Seth Rollins in 12 hours. Let's get hype. <laughs> That's funny. But I mean, I know you were excited about your SummerSlam, but you know, I figured I'd ask just give, to be Give safe. me the scripted stuff all day long. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you know, surprisingly, the fight went a full five rounds, which I didn't think it was ever going to do. And I'm pretty sure Nate Diaz only went full five rounds twice in his this was his second time in his whole career which is pretty interesting um I'm a, I'm a connor fan myself i ain't gonna lie i like his his shit talking i think he you know he gets he gets it going um a lot of people say nate won the fight me i don't know i rewatched it you know read the scorecards you know i know connor knocked him down the first and second round i know there was a few times where people said nate trip well that's his problem don't get punched in the face um I mean, I assume that there's going to be a trilogy. I know at the end, Connor said, you know, this time you got to come down to 155 on my terms, which I think is fair since he went up, you know. There hasn't been a character. Uh, when I say character, like if you're looking at characters in like the WWE, right, they're gimmicks. They're characters that Vince McMahon and the creative oh, of course. plus the wrestler create for that for that individual. However, when you're in UFC, I feel like this is like the Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather of UFC. He's making a name for himself through that shit talking, right? His attitude. Conor McGregor is the feistiest dude I have ever seen. But he's funny as hell though. Sure he is. Absolutely. And he's, you know, he's your typical non-politically correct, badass kind of guy that gets over with the crowd in a huge way. And the difference is that he did this for himself. And I'm sure he's got a team that really pumped him up and helped him to do it and create and helped him create this image and this, that, and the other. But when he goes on social media and, and, you know, writes his own post and there's misspellings and the letter U instead of the word U, that stuff is special. How about when he basically called out, um, the WWE. Oh, uh, yeah. John Cena. John Cena. Yeah. What he got? Yeah. A 40 year old washed up nothing or something, I think he said. Yeah, and that's that's the stuff that's, you know, that's all hype train. And I'm sure because Brock Lesnar goes from UFC to WWE, I'm sure a little bit of that was planned. I'm sure Vince McMahon gave the okay to do that because that just hypes up, uh, you know, both companies. But do you think Conor McGregor gives a shit what Vince McMahon <laughs> thinks? Oh, no, not at all, but that's what I like it. I'm sure, I'm sure he got a couple bucks for saying it. Let's oh, just call yeah. it what it is. Well, number one, Connor got three million from the fight alone, and Nate got two million. Yeah, you know, well, win, win or lose. That's right. Um, I don't. I don't specifically want to go back and watch the fight. I don't. You know, I have a, a friend of mine who fights professionally. You know, as a mixed martial artist, and I've been to plenty of his fights. Um, unfortunately, I stopped going because he's zero three. Whenever I go, <laughs> he's zero three for the time I've been there. But the problem with it was there was 16 or 14 matches on the card, and it starts at 7. It's not over till 11.30. It's it's definitely a long night. And it was a long night, and he's always the last match or one of the last matches, so I was kind of dragging ass a little bit. Um, Oh, me too. I'd probably be sleeping. But I do have respect for the sport just because I see what my buddy goes through. You know what I mean? You see the the sweat, the blood, you know. know. Yeah, my buddy just had a fight, and he broke his arm during the fight. So, I mean, like, what they go through... Oh, I mean, is very real. And if you've seen the fight, I mean, Nate was bloodied. I mean, he's wiping blood out of his eyes just to see. Yeah. You know, another quick big thing that I think would help Connor was a lot. He did a lot of them leg kicks on Nate, his front leg. He always puts his weight on it. And I think that really helped. You could see him kind of after the first round, he was hobbling. He was, they want to put all his weight on. And I think that was a big deal in the fight. So we'll stay tuned for the McGregor Diaz round three, but we'll transition to something a little bit more scripted. And we, and we, we go from sporting to sports entertainment with our overall thoughts and recap of SummerSlam. Um, I, Sam, I don't believe you watched. No, I, I didn't catch it. Um, I watched it over my buddy's house, um, and I was 
beyond hype. The card was like 38 matches long. Um, they actually moved. It was 13, I think. They actually moved one match from the main show, Cesaro and Sheamus, to the pre uh, to the pre show. Pre show was good. It was okay. Um, Sheamus won just like I thought yeah, they would. We both called that, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like I thought they would, and I think Cesaro is going to ultimately take it. But then you move to the main show, and I'm going to tell you, the Barclays Center. As a Flyers fan, I watch a lot of games at the Barclays Center for the Islanders. That's their home rink, um, and there's always a giant truck in the crowd where people should be. It's the worst arena possible. It's only a few years old, and people constantly complain about sightline issues. People constantly complain about not being able to uh, hear anything, that there's only a certain number of uh, seats because it's a smaller capacity arena because of all the other things that they have in there. They, Like I said, I'm not kidding. Behind one of the nets during a hockey game, they take away like lower-level seating to put a truck on a pedestal on a stage. But why is that? Marketing reasons. It's awful. And... and the, there's not much hype in that arena whatsoever. It's not like when you go to the Wells Fargo Center or Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. It's electric. It's electric, right? So I'm watching SummerSlam, and and they I, I think they were smart with their booking in the beginning. They put Enzo and Cass, who are from the area. They're at least local. A big, I believe Big Cass is from Queens um, or Manhattan, and Enzo's from Jersey. Uh, so it's like kind of... Th- Ish, New York-ish. Hype up the hometown a little bit. Right. And, and they bring him out first, so it was smart to get the crowd into it from Jump Street. And they cut a decent promo. I'm kind of over the promos because it's just not funny. I like them still as a team, but they they just the punchlines aren't hitting for me. Then they bring out Jericho, which is Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho from Canada. This is your chance to, to put Enzo and Cass over, really get them in the discussion for the tag team titles, take them off the New Day, and get them that push, especially in front of the home crowd. And what happens? Just like I said, Jericho takes the win. And they, I believe they did it clean. And it's like, oh, this is the type of night it's going to be. You're going to book this way. And it just turned out that that's the way it would kind of go. Well, like Chris Jericho's not good? No, no, no. But like the WWE's booking decisions are just weird. It's like the Montreal screw job, which I'll get into a little later um, with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. That was in Canada. Montreal, Canada. That's where Bret Hart is from. Not Montreal, but Canada. Okay. So it was in front of his Canadian fans where Shawn Michaels, not from Canada, I believe he's from Texas. So any, do you not know about the screw job? No, I um, I can't say I do. It's from 1996. That's our era. I, oh, come on. I remember certain things. All right. Then we'll talk about it a little bit later, and, and I'll educate you on what the screw job was. But there was like this opportunity to put Enzo and Cass over in front of their hometown, if you will. And I know that this is the WWE and they're going to do stuff like that just to piss you off. And I, I get it. Um, and I totally understand the reason behind it, but you're putting over Jericho and then the next night on raw, they both p- k- compete in singles matches to see who's going to be the universal champion. Now I understand that was cause uh, spoiler alert, Finn Balor hurt his shoulder and they needed it, but just weird booking there from the WWE. And then you, you have the second match of the night is Charlotte and Sasha Banks for the for the women's title. Like, there is another Divas match later in the card that you definitely should have flip-flopped that on. Uh, Sasha Banks is hurt. She just won the title within a month on Raw, and Charlotte wins it back. Uh, you got that one right. Yeah, well, hey, go on. Charlotte wins the title back. 
uh, Sasha Rick Flair's daughter. Okay. Yeah. Then now Sasha has been removed from a bunch of Raw events. She has a honeymoon. Plus she's got a bunch of nagging injuries that she needs to shape up. So the match was full of botches. Charlotte dropped Sasha on her head uh, in the corner off the top turnbuckle or the second turnbuckle. It was scary. Ouch. There was a really good spot where Charlotte went for a razor's edge from the top rope. When she went for the razor's edge to throw Sasha over, Sasha caught her with her legs and did a backflip Hurricane Rana from the top rope. It was sick. Wow. It was amazing. And that was probably the best spot of the night for that for that match. But Charlotte goes over, gets the title back, and now Sasha's out. So it's like, why did you give Sasha the title if she's only going to lose it a month later? So it's confusing. Well, it'd probably keep, I guess, keep, keep the fans guessing. I w- yeah. It, I don't know. If, it's not like Sasha... It's not like nobody knew she was hurt. She was definitely injured, and you put the strap on her, and that's great. And I didn't, you know. Well, if you land on your head, you know what I mean? That's no, but it was before the match she had nagging injuries, and uh, now she's out for a month or two uh, to, you know, to heal up, basically. And, and Ava Marie, she's still suspended, so it's two people out. And Paige. Paige is suspended, too. So the women's division is quickly shrinking. Again, uh, since this wasn't SummerSlam and it was the night after, I can go into spoiler territory here. Bailey is up, though. I mean, they're the WWE is helping their cause with the women's division as it's shrinking with Sasha, Paige, and Eva Marie. They brought up Bailey, and Bailey beat Dana Brooke on Raw in her Raw debut. Bailey's awesome. She's the best woman in the company. Um, so excited for her. I really hope they put the belt on her quickly, um, especially because Finn Balor's out. And if you want the the universe bought in, you had your two biggest NXT stars, male, female, Finn Balor, Bailey. They're both up now. Baylor's out. Bailey's up. Let's put the strap on her. Uh, Miz and Apollo Crews was a wash. It was short. It was crappy. Miz retains the IC. Nah. But the match of the year, this is what I really want to talk about. The match of the year was AJ Styles and John Cena. I haven't seen a better match this year. Not even close, in my opinion. The only one that would even touch that would be Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens at Backlash. But this match was everything. It had false finishes. It had... Uh, Drama. It told a great story. And AJ Styles went over clean, no interference, and beat up John Cena. Oh, yeah, he beat John Cena? Yeah, he beat up John Cena. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm, and he came back from an injury, didn't he? Wasn't Who? he? Uh, John Cena, wasn't he hurt recently? No. They're, they're all hurt. But John Cena was hurt a while back. He came back a little bit okay. ago. Yeah, this was not a recent return. But he. Word is. Word is, I mean, he's the biggest thing the company has going in terms of marketing and hype. He's this generation's Shawn Michaels or or, or the Undertaker. Or he's, he's getting older though, ain't he? He's John Cena's up there. He's yeah, got to be thinking about maybe taking a step out soon. Plus, not only that, and good for John for wanting to put over somebody like AJ, who quite frankly is the best worker in the company and deserves it. But John's going to probably go film another movie, oh, and sure. he's not going to be around as much. So, to have John Cena win would have just been another notch on his belt. And it would have been the revenge win because he he lost to AJ clean uh, a couple months ago. But I'm sorry, he lost to AJ with interference a couple months ago. But I'm really happy John put him over. AJ deserved that win. AJ Styles is so good. He just needs a friggin' haircut and to lose those and to <laughs> and, lose those gloves. And like you said, you know, Cena's been around for a while. He already made his millions, so he don't have to. You know, he still is with movies too, man. Fifteen yeah. time world champion. He's he's yeah. the biggest face of that company. So to you know, 
After the match, though, John Cena took off his armband of like loyalty, hustle, respect, or whatever, and put it right in the middle of the ring, and like as like a signifier, like I'm walking out, I'm walking away for a while. Or no, maybe it said never give up. I forget. But he put that in the middle of the ring and like kind of walked out all slow, and everybody gave him the ovation or whatever. So like maybe that was like the last time we've seen him in a while. I thought you were going to say he kind of like left it um, in the center ring, like out of respect for AJ Styles, like good fight. Well, you know? AJ Styles took it and has been using it on SmackDown as like, oh, look what I got type of thing to like rub it in his face a little bit, which is fine. I like the story time. Maybe it'll build up uh, the third match. I can have more class than that. You're better than that, AJ. Maybe this is my guess is AJ wins the title from Dean Ambrose uh, in the next however many months, then defends it next WrestleMania against John Cena in the third and final rubber match. Well, it's not really a rubber match. AJ won two times already, but defends it against Cena at WrestleMania after he wins it from Ambrose in the next couple months, maybe at the Rumble or so something. So it's safe to say he saw John Cena. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but that was the best match of the night, best match of the card, best match of the year. Then you had some crap with the, the Bullet Club and New Day, DQ, who cares? It was garbage. Ambrose and, and Ziggler, kind of garbage, too. It was an okay match. The match didn't have anything wrong with it, but it was short. It was uninspiring. And because the crowd was so hype, and that was the big problem with the show all night was the damn crowd. And maybe that was because of the arena, but maybe because the crowd just kind of sucked. The crowd popped really bad for, for AJ Cena, and then you like that match was right in the middle, and then it kind of died. There was no real energy in the crowd the rest of the entire night and that was a shame you had Ambrose and Ziggler you could almost hear them calling each other spots in the ring because it was so quiet and you would hear you know a little clap here and there for when something happened Ambrose won with the dirty deeds number just the first time easy got over it was kind of like I wouldn't say a squash, but it was really an uninspiring match. And that was your World Heavyweight Championship match. Sounds like a filler match. It almost was. And it was your World Heavyweight Championship match. That's how you come down off of the greatness that was uh, Style Cena. Because that New Day f- crap with the Bullet Club in between, that was just garbage, too. And then in the, like, a really weird turn of events. You had that six women tag match we were talking about yeah. last week with where Eva Marie was suspended and she was supposed to be out. Well, they replaced her. With Nikki Bella, who oh, that's John Cena's girl, who was making her return after a bad, I believe, neck injury. Yeah, I think so. Um, and made her return and got the pinfall, and the heels got the win. And she looked good too. She looks very fantastic, both physically and <laughs> in the ring. Um, so that was nice to see her come back and make that. But again, the those heels winning with Nikki Bella and Italian Alexa Bliss, okay. But that was after the World Heavyweight Championship match. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. The booking was so weird and like uninspiring. Then you had Finn Balor and Seth Rollins for the Universal title. We got the title unveiled. It was a chorus of boos. It's basically just a red leather belt uh, with the WWE logo and diamonds. I'll try it. There it is. Yeah, nothing special. No, it's the World Heavyweight Championship except with red leather as opposed to black leather. So it's it's yeah. It's just kind of, but the crowd was giving it booze all night. Um, this match was almost kind of silent as well because right in the beginning of the match, Seth Rollins delivered a power bomb to Finn Balor outside the ring, up against the, uh, the 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 guard rail, I guess if you want to call it the padding outside the ring that separates the crowd from the the wrestlers. Yeah. And Finn Balor ripped his shoulder, so he's out for six months. Yeah, I, I think I sent you that that yeah. thing, and I know you were very, very upset. So. <laughs> 
so that was early on. And then Finn Balor, the match continued. Finn Balor fought through it. You watch a video of it. He popped his shoulder back in its socket Ugh. right after the right after it happened. So he popped his own shoulder and finished the match. I can only imagine what a, a match between these two healthy would be because it was okay. It was a really good match, but. And you got to figure that whole time after he's in pain. He's in pain the whole match, and I just want to see a proper match with both of them healthy and see what they can deliver. It was there was not that many false finishes. Yeah, Baylor did a bunch of flying drop kicks, probably because he couldn't use his shoulder that much, couldn't lift Seth up. Um, now Finn fights with his feet a lot, but he did the coup de gras, jumped off top rope, seventy four feet in the air, popped him with his two feet, and nailed it, and got the win. Gets over. He's the first ever United uh, Universal Champion. I'm sorry, first ever. So that was really neat. Uh, to see. Then the next night he comes out and relinquishes his title on Raw because he's hurt and he's out six months. I mean, that obviously stinks, but I I give him mad props for finishing that match because God only knows the pain he was feeling. And unfortunately, that was the last real match of the night. There was two matches that came after that. Rusev and Roman Reigns for the United States title, they got into a brawl before the match ever started and the match was just counted out. The match never Ah. started. The match was... It was just basically like considered a no match. They never started it. They just said, "Okay, this is this is done. You're, it's over." They were, you know, fighting each other outside the ring. They they never rang the bell. So it was like, nah. Was that to maybe to leave more time for the final match? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I don't know, but to Roman Reigns' credit, he delivered. He ran from the entrance ramp all the way down it and dove into Rusev and gave him a, like a flying spear that Rusev sold like a champ. Um, it that was brutal looking. Um, I'm sure that still hurt too. By the way. Oh yeah, let me see if I can pull it up here for you real quick. Without hopefully there's no audio that plays. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he dove into him and caught him. Like, oh, was, he, he felt that one. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, but that was it. And then Roman Reigns got shuffled to the back by 96 referees. Uh, Rusev was complaining, and the match never started. And it was a, it was a wash, and it was disappointing. I wanted to see that match really bad. So it, what do you have to wait another week or two to see that match? No, it's probably not going to happen now because there's Roman Reigns the next night on Raw won his match to go over. And now he's in the final a fatal four way on this coming Monday Night Raw for the Universal title. So it's like, it's Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, uh, Big Cass, and Roman Reigns for the Universal title on a fatal four-way on Raw because they don't have a champion right now because Finn had to give the title back. So it's like, again, just curious booking as to why you didn't even have that match. And then the most controversial of the night and the last match, Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton. Brock Lesnar wins by TKO. Oh, I, I seen the pictures. Yeah. And... Brock is dominating Randy Orton the whole match, beating the you-know-what out of him. Randy delivers an RKO out of nowhere on the announce table. It was didn't break the table, which was cool. But that was really neat, and you see Randy coming back, and then all of a sudden Brock Lesnar takes off his gloves and elbow pads and starts striking him in the middle of the ring with his just bare elbow. His giant elbow. Giant bare elbow. Gashes his head oh. open. Randy Orton receives 10 staples. There's blood everywhere spewing onto the mat. It, it was gross. It was gross. They call the match for a TKO, give it to Lesnar winning because of technical knockout. And I'm looking at my buddy like, no. The last match we saw was an hour ago. And there was still an hour of crap that happened. The last real wrestling match we saw was Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, which wasn't even a, a match that should have happened because of the injury. So we're like, like, what the hell is going on? That's how you're going to end the match. Now, I, um, when after his head got cut open, there was blood spewing. Did they cut? Or they show you all the blood everything. on everything. They, they showed, showed everything. everything. Okay, yeah, wow. which is something they don't do anymore. Well, I, well, because I don't remember, show blood anymore. I think it was well, when Owen Hart when he fell from the thing. I know they cut that. Well, apparently, 
Well, I mean, he died. Well, of course. You know, but, but apparently... On his way to the hospital. Right, right. But on a, apparently, this was a part of it. Apparently, this was a work. It was not... I mean, Randy Orton basically agreed to let Brock Lesnar beat the shit out of him and get cut open and gashed. Oh, he just said, "Just power Still me with it. elbows until I." I don't know blood. if I don't know if they the elbows part was exactly you know the exact way to go about it, or if Randy knew that that's how it was going to happen. But he apparently apparently agreed to it and said, "Just beat the shit out of me. It's all a work." And apparently that was a part of the storyline and was supposed to happen. I mean, everyone, I would go online and just. T- Look at the pictures of his head because there's a yeah. close-up of the gash, and it's huge and deep. Yeah, it's ten, <laughs> ten staples in his head to, to fix that one up. And and did Stephanie McMahon, did he find or did she find Brock $500 for that? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure I read that, but, I mean, if, if that is true, $500, I mean, what, what is $500 to them? After Brock, didn't he just win a, a couple million dollars from the UFC fight he had a couple weeks ago? Right, and... If that is true, I'd, honestly, I don't know, but that's chump change. But what did happen after the match, after when uh, Lesnar and Randy came back in the crowd, apparently Chris Jericho had a huge problem with it. Not kayfabe, real story. Uh, had a huge problem with it. Got up into his face. They were... Oh, the Brocks? Mm-hmm. Got up in his face, said, what the hell was that? Calling each other nasty names I will not repeat on this show. Got, like... Forehead to forehead with him, up in his face, pushing him with his head, saying, "Come at me, come at me." Brock's calling him a few, uh, you know, gender-specific terms. And apparently, there's some heat back there for what happened. I'll tell you what, I'd like to see that match actually. Yeah, that would be really neat. I'm, I'm pretty. I know. I think Brock's a little bigger than him, but I mean, Brock's probably bigger than most guys wrestling. But yeah, Brock's probably the powerful guy. He's most just a scary there. guy just to look at. So we're gonna transition. Overall, uh, just overall thoughts. It was a. I don't know how to feel about it. It was a meh show. It sounds like mediocre. It was a. It was a card full of mediocre matches, confusing booking, um, weird storylines, and then highlighted by the Cena AJ Styles match right in the middle where it had its it hit its peak and then kind of slowly fizzled out. That match probably won't be top the rest of this year, and I I'm actually going to watch it again like immediately because that was such a good match that I kind of want to relive. Um, it was worth. I mean, it's on the network, so it's whatever. But so like, it's free though. It's, it was yeah, it was, it's <laughs> ten bucks a month, but. Um, it's worth watching to kind of give your own opinion because some people really liked it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Come on. There's wrestling fans out there still. Yeah, sure. And for me, it was just a middle of the match. Or I'm sorry, middle of the match. Middle of the uh, middle of the road kind of card, and it was okay. Probably like a 5, 6 out of 10. That that Without that Cena Styles match, I think that's a bad pay-per-view, but oh, that was so good. At least you really enjoyed one match. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go our top three a little early this week. Uh, we're going to bring it to you. This week, we always want to make our top three relevant. Oh, know, definitely, to, definitely. To the subject matter. So this week we're going to do top three professional wrestlers of all time. Sam, kick us off. Uh, yeah, and, and you know me. I'm, I'm old school, so I doubt there's going to be any new guys on my list, as I'm sure you know. So I'll hit it with number three. I've, since I was a kid, got to go with Cactus Jack, Mick Foley. Okay, so are you doing just Mick Foley? I'm sorry, just Cactus Jack or all of Mick Foley's personas? Well, well I mean, I, I do have a mention. Obviously, you know, we have Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude Love. You know, we have all them guys. But to me, Cactus Jack was my favorite. I think it was his first. And obviously, his hand motions, bang, bang. I, I did that since as a kid. And for me, you know, watching wrestling back then, it was always me, my dad, and my grandpa. So it was, it was kind of, you know... I guess it means a lot to me like now because I think about that kind of stuff and you know my grandpa's obviously not with us anymore so it's you know it's it's a soft spot for me the king of hardcore Mick Foley the hardcore legend Cactus Jack 
I mean, just number alone from his home videos where he goes off rooftops and obviously you can't forget in 1998, the Hell in a Cell match with what was Mankind and The Undertaker. I mean, he got chokeslammed off the top twice. Yeah. I'm, I, Thrown I, from the top of the Hell in a Cell onto the announce table, smashed through it, and then came back and got chokeslammed. I'm... I, I mean, after the second time, he didn't move. I thought he was dead. Yeah. And and obviously, there's the picture afterwards. Yeah, we were talking before where his his tooth is actually in his nose. It went through his upper lip into his nose. Into his nose. And the picture he has this grin on his face. I mean, he's probably exhausted. You know, I'm pretty sure he had a concussion among broken bones. I want to say that was at no mercy. Uh, or Unforgiven. I think it was No Mercy 98. But go watch that match again. JR, Jim Ross's commentary on that match, is flawless. Oh, and by the way, after the choke slam through the uh, Hell in a Cell, he still got put on thumbtacks, too. Oh, oh my. And, and then I was reading the thing, and, and I guess what he was, I guess, out of it after everything, he kind of asked Undertaker, Where are the thumbtacks? And he said, Mick, look at your arm. <laughs> And it's all over, and it just, the guy took so much abuse through all, his whole career. I mean, the Hell in the Cell match is probably my favorite match of all time. I mean, I, the, that match type or that specific Hell in the Cell match? Just probably that specific. I mean, I mean, because that's what Undertaker, to me, was at his you know yeah. his best. Yeah, my favorite match of all time actually includes one of my top three as well. So, um, Mick Foley is, is legend. A legend. A Hall of Famer. Easy. Uh, very... Uh, striking looking daughter who who beautiful she wants to now become a wwe superstar by the way oh that's awesome yeah awesome so she wants to pursue that career goal so good for her but he's also not only does he have holy foley a reality show on the wwe network but he does he is the uh, general manager of raw so we get to see mick every week again and it's it's great it it, it has to be good to see him and he always still has his 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 big beard and it's, it's it's awesome out of my top three Two of them are inactive. One of them is still active, but not with the WWE. So if that gives it away, I'm sorry. So my top three, uh, my number three is going to be Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak uh, kid. Shawn Michaels. The kid. Arguably the greatest worker in the history of the WWE. Just worker. Might not have been over the highest. Might not have been Stone Cold or, or Hulk Hogan levels. Probably even probably was, but this, you know, the showstopper, right? The originator of Sweet Chin Music, the super kick, they call it now, which everybody does. The Uso, Ziggler, so many people. It'll always be Sweet Chin Music. Sweet Chin Music. Always. Michaels came in as a a part. Well, first of all, I mean, the way he came up, I had his. He was the first wrestling documentary that I ever bought and watched, and I've watched it a million times. Uh, Sean, uh, it's actually Michael Sean Hickenbottom, I believe is his name. Hickenbottom, Hickenbottom, <laughs> I believe is his name. But uh, he came up when he came to the WWF at the time. He came as a part of the Rockers with Marty Jannetty, and that's when I got into wrestling. Was and I watched the Rockers wrestle. They were my first like favorite, right? And it was really more Jannetty than Michaels. And then. After they had their their run as a great tag team, prolific tag team, the barbershop happened in the early 90s when Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty were doing a spot with Brutus the Barber Beefcake inside of his little barbershop. And Shawn Michaels raises his hand saying, we're the champions, and then super kicks Marty Jannetty. That was the first time something that shocking had ever happened in the WWE. Now turns happen all the time. But that was one of, if not the first one, that was so impactful. Then he takes Marty Jannetty and throws his head through the barbershop glass, and the glass shatters on his neck and his back, and Michael's just 
puts his arms up and says, now it's my turn to go solo. He turns into a singles wrestler, obviously has one of the most historic careers ever. His match with The Undertaker, I think it was WrestleMania 25, was the greatest one-on-one singles match I have ever seen in my life. Shawn Michaels got to be the one to take Ric Flair into retirement at WrestleMania 24. Uh, Ric Flair is bloody. He's in the middle of the ring. You see Michaels' face almost teared up saying, I'm sorry and I love you. Kicks, super kicks him. One, two, three. Flair goes out. Michaels goes over. What a career this guy has had. And arguably his most infamous thing that happened to him. I'm just going to go ahead and save that for my number two. Oh, it happened with another wrestler? You'll, you'll see. Okay, all right, I'll leave it at that. I'll go with my number two here. Um, his looks changed throughout the years, but I, I had to go with Sting. I mean, come on. You talked about him last week. Uh, of course. Come no, on. Are, now, are you a 90s, a 90s Hawaiian Sting okay. or a well, pro Sting? Well, I was going to say, as you know, I think he started in a, like 87, 88. He, I know his he had bright makeup, I think, up until about 95, 96. Bleach blonde. Bleach blonde. Had, exactly. a, had a different look. And then in 96, he kind of had the... Um, the New World Order, the NWO, we kind of changed it to the you know, the white and black, as you said, the crow look. And to me, that was like, you know, so badass. And like, he'd come out under the ring. He'd come up from the roofs. I and mean, he just took down everyone. He was like, you know, the, the hero to just take down the bad guys. And to me, you know, he was like, I got, like you said, like a hero. When I was a kid, I, I looked up to him. You know, it was just good to, I appreciated him more when he got out of his blonde hair. I mean, I still liked him, but I was, you know, as a kid. But when he got to more dark, more serious... You know, he was a beast. One of my favorite uh, wrestling action figures that I've ever had was the blonde sting, the uh, Hawaiian sting, because he had like these the, he was stuck in a pose like of muscles, just like I'm making now. Obviously, you can't see it, yeah. <laughs> but Sam can. These type of muscles where both arms are kind of just pumped up like you're just making a normal muscle. So I always gave him the uh, what would be referred to later as a diamond cutter or RKO oh, yeah. as his finisher, because you could just stick another wrestling figure's head right in his like right in that space between his arms. So that was awesome. I, I'm a big fan of Sting as well. And he had the baseball bat for a while. He joined yep. NWO and they tried to use him as a heel, but he went out in a good way too at WrestleMania 30, I think three or four. I forget which one against Triple H. And that was actually a decent little match for Sting to go out on. But hey, WWE Hall of Famer. Oh, uh, this year in April. And then, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, the Hall of Fame and He'll, he'll always be one of the greats. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know. I don't think he's your favorite, but I know. I think you did like him. We have to stick to three. So, yeah. That's yeah, all right. You know what I mean? Two. I got you. Yeah. For me, I I have to. I could. I wanted to expand this list to like a top oh, ten. I, so I, I am going to have an honorable mention when I'm done. I don't oh. care. <laughs> Just an honorable hey, mention. Listen, last week I went I went cheap on the Seth Rogen stuff with the. Uh, with the two with the yes. two TV shows as my and, number one. And, and so. it's, not, it's not a number, just an honorable mention. Oh, gosh. See, this is Sam's number four. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Um, so my number two, uh, the reason I said I was going to hold off on the most infamous thing Shawn Michaels ever did, and what we were talking about earlier, the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, my number two is Brett Hitman Hart. Oh, can't go wrong there. Everything about Brett Hitman Hart to me. Now, uh, just, like, just like Shawn Michaels, apparently kind of a dick. Uh, in the well, back, I, I heard Sean was. I didn't know about Brett. Yeah, Brett was apparently really difficult to get along with. Um, there he was, always had the big shades, right? Or was that Owen? The pink shades. Yeah, yeah. The pink okay. shades was Brett, and Owen did it too. But Brett gave him to a kid before all of his matches. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was, it was sweet. Na- yeah, but and that's awesome. I mean, Gre- Brett was an amazing worker too. Very technical. Probably the best technical wrestler I've seen in my lifetime. I'm only 28 years old, so I wasn't around for Bruno San Martino and all that. But um, Brett Hart probably. 
personified what was the submission was technical wrestling obviously trained by his father Stu Hart in the dungeon um, brothers you know with Owen and uh, stepbrothers Jim the Anvil Neidhart and British Bulldog Davy Smith um, they formed the Hart Foundation just a fantastic staple um, staple I meant stable stable growing up um, and yeah he was a staple he was a staple to my childhood man like Bret Hitman Hart was like my first like champion right so like my first favorite was the rockers but that was a tag team and i was really young and at that time but growing up you know i grew up watching wrestling from 92 93 i would say was my first one when i first heard no 94 because i remember green day dookie came out in 94 and that's when i started watching wrestling because that's when i was badass because i was five years old every five years five year old wants to be a badass oh, definitely. You know I mean? we had we all had the fake belts I watched WrestleMania 9 when my family took a trip to Canada. I watched WrestleMania 9 in a hotel. Like, that's how much I was into wrestling. I took a, a little time off from, from my family vacation to watch WrestleMania 9, which they say is one of the worst WrestleManias. I say it was one of the best because it was my first ever WrestleMania that I ever watched. It was the outdoor yeah, one. with Nostalgia for you. Yeah, absolutely. But Hitman Hart was in that was in that main event, actually. Lost to Yokozuna uh, for wow. the title. Yokozuna! And then Hogan came out and in like a minute beat Z- Yokozuna. So it was actually a really stupid way to end a WrestleMania. But whatever. Hitman Hart, uh, again, was kind of had a reputation for being a little bit difficult to work with um, in the back, in, in the back, shot on everyone. But he his contract was up. Vince offered him a 20-year contract. Said, okay, wanted to turn him heel. So, And if you don't know what heel means, it means bad guy. Brett said, okay, after the son kind of got into it, didn't realize, you know, realized it kind of wasn't for him. He didn't want to become a heel. Uh, Eric Bischoff at WCW at the time, they were feuding big time, WWE and WCW, uh, offered him a, the, a huge amount of money to jump ship and go over to WCW. He did. Bret Hart agreed to it. He left Vince after all that time with WWF and WWE. He left. Money at all. But he was the champion. So he was like, I'm not dropping the belt. To Michaels in Canada, not in front of my fans, not going to do it, and that pissed off Vince, oh. right? Um, he was he could have potentially left the company with the title, taken that title to WCW. Like that's a real thing. That's not a kayfabe thing. So it's like they could have had no champion, or at least the disgrace of seeing their main guy jump ship to another company with their belt and so what vince decided to do was there was an agreement that brett was going to win however vince went to michaels and the referee earl hebner they were the only two people outside of vince in the entire company in the entire world that knew i believe maybe pat patterson and gerald briscoe knew but they decided to do the montreal screw job what that basically was is during the match this is what happened match is going on great match right michaels puts heart over into a sharpshooter, so Hart's own finishing move. Okay. Michaels turns him over, does not tap. Earl Hebner fakes that he taps out, calls for the bell, says he oh, tapped out in like two seconds, says gone, matches over, gives the win to Michaels in Canada where Brett thought he was already going to win. So Michaels wins the bell, rolls over, pretends he doesn't know that he was a part of it. Uh, Brett Hart gets up, realizes what's going on, hocks a loogie right into Vince's face, Saying this is you know what you know, saying that he's a you know um, yeah, yeah. All these, choice words, words, same words that Lesnar had for Jericho. Um, again, spits right in his face, goes back to the dressing room, punches Vince McMahon right in the face, gives him a huge black eye. 
Um, Vince gets like all kind of woozy walking through the hallway, um, goes on TV the next night and says, I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. He was going to walk out of the here with the title, blah, blah, blah. Brett Hart and WWE part ways in a horrible way. They, they lose contact for years. They refuse to work with each other. And then as time passes, all things heal. Uh, Hart and Michaels actually, um, Michaels did know about it, but swore to God for years and years that he didn't. So he lied to Brett, too. Uh, after their careers are over, they come together for this interview. And he admitted he it? He admitted it. They've, oh, they've gotten past it. I'm sure there's maybe a little bit of bad blood. Who knows? I'm not in their lives. I'm, their lives. You, for, you forgive, but you don't forget. Right. And and they've moved past a little bit. Brett was recently diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, I heard about that. So he come, he came back to the WWE. They, they inducted him. Mm-hmm. He was a part of uh, the WWE for a little bit. Now he's just doing his thing, and there doesn't seem to be bad blood anymore. So all is well. Uh, we just wish Brett, you know, the best of luck with his, you know, with what he's battling. Of course, you don't, you know, wish no one to have cancer like that. But we'll take it to my number one. I'm, I'm, I think you have an idea who it is. I'm sure he's one of millions of millions favorites. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, come on, it had to be. I mean, that's that's the rattlesnake. I mean, I mean, just just from his lines alone. You know what I mean? Like. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Like, when he would say that, you, I, I'm a kid, he'd say ass. I'm, I'd go nuts. You know, I had all his, his action figures. And then after his speech, you know, after his matches, he talked shit on everyone who he beat. I'll take on you. I'll take on you. And and that's the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking Steve Weiser's. Dude, I mean, how do you not love Stone Cold Steve Austin? I mean, even the one time he comes on the ring, Vince McMahon's talking some crap. He rides up on a truck, soaks him, <laughs> stuns everyone, chugging beards. I mean, what's not to love about this guy? Yeah, Steve Austin was the uh, definition of the attitude error in the WWF. I mean, you know, the 96, the king of the ring where, you know, he fights everyone. I know for the finals, he winds up beating Jake the Snake Roberts. I, mean, I remember that was a good fight. Mm-hmm. I remember the one where he comes out where, I mean, I forget what the match was called, but there's a million people in the ring. Everyone's fighting. He comes right out. He's got knee, knee braces on both knees. He starts beating the crap out of everyone. Then he just, I think he stunned about 15 people. And you just see the announcers going, a stone cold, taking out everybody. And then he, after he's done, you just see him leaning on the on the back. No one's messed with him. He's obviously breathing heavy. He just stunned a million people. I mean, what's not to love about the guy? Two of Stone Cold's most memorable memorable matches to me both involve the Hearts. One with Bret Hart, one with Owen. The one with Bret, I believe, it was WrestleMania 13, where Stone Cold technically never tapped out or gave up. He put Bret puts him in a sharpshooter, and Stone Cold is bleeding from his head. I believe he bladed, but he's bleeding from his head all over the place, screaming, bloods in his eyes and his mouth dripping down, and then he just passes out, and the match is over, and Bret wins. But he never tapped out. That was the first time I was like, Steve Austin, certified badass. No, I mean, he was he was a monster. I mean, who else would call for beer, would chug two beers on the top row, throw the beers? <laughs> yeah. The other one with Owen, um, unfortunately, was the beginning to Steve Austin's uh, down downfall to his you know to well, health. It was neck and knees. Neck. Yep. So this is why the DDT and the I'm sorry, not the DDT, the pile driver is no longer allowed, or at least it's a reason. Owen Hart gives Steve Austin a pile driver but puts his head too far below his legs and Steve Austin's head hit the mat by you know by itself, broke his neck. He was partially paralyzed for a few seconds. He laid there. Owen didn't know what to do. It was not a part of the spot. Steve Austin was supposed to win so after a few minutes passes, Austin gets his consciousness back. He gets his movement back. He basically limp as all hell, just reaches for, for Owen, grabs him with like two fingers, pulls him over, and just 
turns him over and just rolls him up for a, a pin and gets the three count when you know that's not how it was supposed to end. But God bless him for finishing that match. Well, I mean, I, I Much actually, respect. I, I don't remember the actual fight, but I do remember when he hurt his neck, and obviously that that's a career ender right there. WWE 2K16, it's free on Xbox One until September 15th. That's the Stone Cold Edition. So WWE 2K15 was Hulk Hogan, 2K17 Suplex City with Brock Lesnar, but 16 was all Stone Cold. You can actually play as Stone Cold through his entire career. Oh, but you said it's Xbox? Yeah, it's, a free, it's on PS4, but it's free on Xbox this month. Um it's really funny that you mentioned that, especially the Jake the Snake Roberts one. Our friend Ryan last night was texting me about it, and the first match he told me about, it, he's like, "Oh, I just beat Jake the Snake at SummerSlam '96." So that's that was awesome. really funny. Stone Cold used to be the ringmaster, and then was stunning Steve Austin right before. That's where do you think the Stone Cold stunning? Yeah, I mean, and and that that was you know his big finisher. I'm pretty sure that was his only finisher. I there was two other nicknames for Stone Cold that were in play before he chose Stone Cold, and I'll just say thank goodness. I forget what they were, but they were both like ice related um or cold related and thank goodness he chose stone cold yeah i mean stone cold steve austin you can't get a better name than that yeah legend my number one would be uh the charismatic enigma jeff hardy oh the hardy brothers and we all knew that this was going to happen he's uh, uh better known as brother nero nowadays <laughs> in tna um or impact wrestling but i'll, I'll keep this brief because we have a whole bunch of stuff that we still want to talk about this episode i don't want to run so long but basically the best match I've ever seen in my entire life, um, or my favorite that I was alluding to earlier, was WrestleMania X7, TLC2, between Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, and Jeff and Matt Hardy, the Hardy Boys, when Jeff is hanging from the belt in the middle of the ring just swaying, Edge the, the climbs ladder, up right? the ladder and spears him in midair. It is my favorite <sighs> moment in the history of WWE, and I'm sure I don't speak alone. No, I'm sure other I, people think I don't know too. how the hell he did that. I would have crapped myself. He won the he's won the world heavyweight championship. He's won the hardcore title. He's an intercont former intercontinental champion. He's a million time tag team champion. Uh, he went to TNA. He's won all those belts there. He's still in Impact Wrestling with Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy, who uh, has a premonition <laughs> about Brother Nero being deleted and is obsolete. It's the funniest. It's the funniest gimmick. It's it's really gotten me interested in, in Impact again, which is nice, but. The Hardys are still relevant, still doing their thing. Um, they're still kind of a tag team. I think they're booking as they're doing it right now as like lame as possible on purpose, but it's working to a T. Because every week I'm interested in what's happening. Well, you, with, you love them already, with, so. with Brother Nero and Matt Hardy's premonitions. But we'll keep that one brief. Um, let's move on to another topic. Quick honorable mention. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Razor Ramon. <laughs> okay, Chico. That's, I mean, just, you know, come out with the vest. He throw two picks at the camera. You got, got a roof for the bag. All right. If you get one, I get one. I'm going Takamichi Noku. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, we, we, we won't bring up wrestling every single week. That was a big, big giant pay-per-view. One of the big three for WWE was SummerSlam. The next time they have a big three is January for the Rumble. So if something crazy happens, we'll talk about it in wrestling. But in reality, uh, let's get to the nerdy shit. Uh, let's do it. Some DC things dropped recently. A couple animated trailers. One that I thought was great. One not so much. But what were your thoughts? Well, obviously, I know you know me. I'm a DC guy. You know, I, I like most of their stuff. Not all, but I like most of it. Sam has never watched anything he hasn't liked. That's incorrect. That's actually, Iron I think Man there was 3. one with Superman and the Elites on animated movies. I did not like that, by the way. Wow. One out of 100. <laughs> this is good stuff. But anyway, it was, you know, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders. And you got the original OGs. Adam West, Burt Ward coming back to voice Batman and Robin. And you also have Julian Newman, who um, played Catwoman in a 1960s TV series. They're coming out for a nice little animation movie. Um, 
comes out November 1st on Blu-ray. It looks pretty funny, you know what I mean? You know, you got, you got your classics, Joker, Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and you know, as the punch, they're doing a typical pow and boom, and it looks interesting. It looks like a comic book, an old comic book back to life. It's old school Batman with a new school animation. It's the first time I can say I'm honestly like hype as shit for something DC. Yeah, it's different. Like, I, I didn't expect that. You know, Adam West, he's got to be in his 70s, 80s. He's up there. So I, the, I just always think Family Guy. Oh, I mean, come on. I mean, now it's every time you hear his voice, you have to think of the mayor from family. You have to. I mean, I don't know what else you do, but he's the original Batman, you know, the kind of. So you, you, I, I have to get it. I know me. I'm a, I'm a collector. I got to say it. Oh, I, I this is the I, you know, this is above killing joke for me. This is above BVS for me. This is the most excited I've been. It's Damn, a BVS, it's, though. It's, it's this is a live Action, not a live action. I'm sorry, it's an animated, but it's like almost like an a comic book. Like I said, that comes to life. You have the pow and black and all that stuff that's that's coming to life in animated form, and and it's like the old '60s Batman with with Adam West, but now it's animated, and they almost like the animation for the Joker and Penguin look like their '60s counterparts. Oh, they don't look Caesar, like they, yep. they don't look like they do now. You know, when I think Joker now, the Joker that comes to my head now more so is Mark Hamill's version from the Arkham games. That's the joke oh, so that sticks to me. I'm still, I still think the animated series. I like Mark that Hamill. one too. Oh, yeah, Mark Hamill. Hamill. I love that one too. Um, but the one that sticks to me because of the relevance and the one that the, what I've played the most or watched the most. Um, I'm recently going through the animated series. Actually, now I'm on season two. But uh, the one that sticks to me is Mark Hamill's, and this one's close to that. But this is the '60s one. This is fantastic. Yeah, it, it came out of nowhere. I, you know, I'm normally you know up to date on stuff like this, hearing news and stuff. And then the first time I heard it was when the trailer dropped. Yeah. So I was, you know. I was surprised. I will 100% be picking this up and watching it the day it comes out. Oh, easily. I'm sure it'll be a nice quick little hour, hour, 10 minutes, you know, definitely. And then the other thing we got going on, um, it was confirmed. I know we I put on Instagram for us, was confirmed that Doug Lyman, director of Edge of Tomorrow, Jumper, to direct the Justice League Dark live action. And what is that Instagram handle? That is We Podcast and We Know Things. Also on Twitter, I believe it's We Pod and We Know. Yep. So follow us on Instagram at We Podcast and We Know Things and uh, on Twitter at We Pod and We Know. And by the way, probably should have said this earlier, but when you're going on iTunes and going on Stitcher to look up the Loot Crate stuff, be really nice to drop us a review. Um, you know, maybe give us a star rating or drop us a review. Those are the kind of things that really grow the show. We don't monetize off of them. We would just really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it definitely helps us move up the you know move up the chain a little bit. And I know it takes you know five minutes, so we'd really appreciate it. Um, and I also know you know he was a, Doug Lyman was originally supposed to direct Gambit for um, 20th Century Fox. My favorite X Men. No, it's not bad, but I mean it's it, it's it's funny to see that you kind of leave a Marvel thing to come to DC. I mean I, I hope he brings something good to the Justice League Dark because you know there's so many characters where you can do stuff. You know, John Constantine, Swamp Thing, Shade, you know, among other people. But I mean, it looks great. Swamp Thing is cool, but this one didn't really hit home for me. Um, I'm okay with it. I don't think I don't like it. This one, we watched the trailer recently together, and it didn't hit for me. Nothing stood the, out for well, me. The trailer, that was for the, the animated. That yeah. was for the animated movie. Right. Yeah. But that wasn't. That's not the one that Doug Lyman's directing. That's, oh, gotcha. uh, that's this one, and that's like a whole whole different thing. I mean, Justice League Dark. If you really don't, I don't. If you don't really read comics, I don't think you really know too much about these characters. Yeah, I think you know John Constantine from Keanu Reeves when he did that movie in 05. I think that might be the only one you really know. Maybe Zatanna if you watch the Batman animated series. But for me, it's you know it's basically the first time you 
to get a look at it. You'll get a little preview with it for the movie in the animated series. And then I don't think there's a release date yet for this movie. You know what I compare this to? Shoot. Guardians. I, I, I compare this to this is DC's version of Guardians, and this is why. Name me ten people that knew about – that we know, right, that we both know that knew about the Guardians of the Galaxy before that movie. Oh, I, I probably couldn't even tell you one. Exactly. And, and I read comics. And I didn't either. I didn't know about the Guardians, but I saw it the opening night at uh, good old Woodhaven. Sure. And uh, it was phenomenal. Amazing. Phenomenal. Amazing. Oh, phenomenal movie. And it just shows that you can – you can create a character and build a character because think about it. Superhero movies are already well uh, are already known because the characters are known. But if you look at almost any other movie, you're making up a character on the spot that no one's ever heard of, right? So you have to do that character building and the origin story just like any other movie. But superheroes, well, we they've been around since forever, yeah. so we already kind of know who Captain America is or the Hulk. But somebody like Guardians, they had a challenge of yeah, there was that cult following for Guardians, but not everybody knew who they were until they saw that movie. Well, same with this. Somebody like yourself, you know everything about Justice League Dark, but I don't know a thing about them i know swamp thing that's it and i'll tell you but i i would say more people i would say know about justice league dark than they did about guardians probably i mean dc's was at that time when they were both coming out with dc probably had the edge on marvel well i would say if if you remember at one time marvel almost bought out dc Mm -hmm. but thank thankfully that didn't happen i'll you know i'm I'm, i can't even i'm probably gonna pass I probably will pass on this one. The, the live action or both, the animated both, series? Both. Uh-huh. Hey, don't worry. Maybe, you know, after you see some trailers of the, the live action, I think you will change your mind. Somebody else that has been really influential recently in the media outside of DC, outside of Marvel, George R. R. Martin, uh, creator of Game of Thrones, the novel series, obviously adapted to HBO, been the biggest hit of all time for HBO, um, probably right up there with Sopranos is the best show that ever come out of that network. So we're going to hit its seventh and second to last season upcoming this summer. Unfortunately, it's been delayed a little bit. We talked about that in episode one, <laughs> but George R. R. Martin has recently released his new big cinematic universe and it is wild cards. Have you ever heard of wild cards? I, I, I it's a, uh, it's a collection of books by other authors, if I'm not mistaken. So what it basically is, is uh, Universal Cable Productions picked it up. Uh, it's an anthology series, and it's going to be for TV. Basically, what this is is, it's a bunch of novels, comics, and games like board games and stuff uh, that were all set in a shared universe. Basically, it was published. It started in 1986, but Watchmen beat it out for that year's like best new. I guess universe or series. It's called the Hugo Award. I don't really know what the Hugo Award is, you know, given to, but I would assume that's what it's kind of about. Basically, it's it's an alternate reality history where aliens, uh, well, an alien virus has been released on Manhattan, and about ninety percent of the population dies. But of the ten percent left, nine percent. Well, let, hold on. First of all, they die because they were given. Uh, they drew a card of the Black Queen, so they die, 90%. The 9% deform and mutate into Jokers, while the 1% develops extraordinary powers and become aces. That's pretty sick. No, it, it definitely sounds interesting. I'm definitely intrigued. Obviously, it's George R.R. R. Martin. Um, it, did they say, is it HBO? Or they didn't say? No. No. Um, so the, the fiction isn't actually written by him, but it's kind of like... Uh, it's edited by him, isn't it? It's Right, it's edited and kind of overseen... Um, by him, but his editor Melinda Sangros will also help him out with that. So he basically is just like the one doing the adaptation. He did not actually write 
this much like you did Game of Thrones. So instead of being like, if you want to think about it, like first party, Game of Thrones directly his baby, he's now like the third party. And basically they're going to use his name to catapult that that kind of well, it's a, franchise. It's a smart move, especially with Game of Thrones, you know, being probably the most popular show besides what, Walking Dead? Well, yeah, that's because Walking Dead's on cable. Yeah, and true. This is on premium, so it's a whole different yeah. audience that you're reaching to. And it's like, you know what? Because of Game of Thrones and because of his reputation, they got me. Well, I think that sounds no, I'm, awesome. I'm, that I'm, plot. I'm interested. I'll tell you, I'll at least give the first episode a chance. Yeah, that, that plot really sounds good to me. Um, so I'll be giving that a watch. But something I did not watch, something you did. The Mechanic well, Resurrection. Uh, I mean, you know me. I'm a huge Jason Statham fan. He had me since... Uh, well, actually, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. That was his first movie, that which was hilarious. I don't know if you haven't seen, if you've seen that one, but that was his first. Um, but yeah, it's the sequel to The Mechanic that came out in 2011. It was like him and Ben Foster. I thought that was awesome, by the way. You can laugh all you want. I just don't think you saw the movie. Sequel to The Mechanic. Yeah. Okay. The critically acclaimed. No. Well, I, it, hey, the first one made money. So to get yeah, a sequel. because you saw it 10 times. I, I saw it once and <laughs> bought it on Blu-ray. Exactly. You gave him 40 bucks. If you watched that movie, I bet you like, damn, I shouldn't have laughed. It was actually a really good movie. Could care less. But, you know, the second one, you have, you know, Jason Statham. You have Jessica Alba, who looks phenomenal, by the way. Always does. And you have, you know, Tommy Lee Jones only has a small part in it, but he's kind of funny in it. And, and you, you you get what you know what you're going into when you go to a Jason Statham movie. You're, he's kicking ass. He's He's doing most of his own stunts but i know he has one scene where he's basically on the top of a you know skyscraper basically breaks this guy's pool slides down the glass i mean it, it was pretty badass tommy lee jones looks old man oh no he he, he definitely the years are definitely showing i feel like he aged worse than morgan freeman oh well M- morgan freeman's old like old old like 103 he's, oh, i think he's 80 something and he still looks the same as he did when he was 60 something but i'll still see his movies he's still got a great voice <laughs> beautiful voice mechanic resurrection with a 6.2 out of 10 out of 1369 ratings on imdb and a metacritic score of 47 well i mean <laughs> but I, sam would have turned that into an 80 by no, himself no i just feel like I mean, you know where you're going when you go to see his movies. You know, obviously they're not going to be, you know, Oscar-nominated movies. You're, you're going in for a fun movie. It was 99 minutes. You know, what wasn't there too long. You'd be basically going, Jessica Alba gets kidnapped, and basically the guy uses her as leverage to him to kill some assassins. I mean, he, he kills most of them, but he come, basically comes back, you know, Jason Statham does his, does his thing, and, you know, let's say he gets the girl. This will be Dennis Gansel's first film not to star Max Remelt in 14 years. Wow. I don't know what that means. Uh, either, well, I don't. I never even heard of the director. <laughs> I don't so. know what that means. Uh, the movie that, that came out this week, or last week I should say, that has probably done the best is Don't Breathe. But right behind it is a mechanic. I mean, I'm looking at a sea of, of trees. I'm looking at Hands of Stone, XOXO, Southside with You, Um they're all movies that are just kind of out there, not doing so hot. But Don't Breathe is apparently really, really yeah, good, I, too. Yeah, it's, it's got good reviews. I know you, you said that you – were you going to see that? or Pro- I probably will end up seeing it. Um, there's not not plans right now to. Made $1.9 million on its opening night, so that's pretty good. That's I didn't, not bad. I didn't look at what The Mechanic did. or I'm sorry, not The Mechanic. Sorry, mechanic <laughs> Resurrection. The sequel. I'm sorry. You're, well, you're right. It's funny because both movies had a $40 million budget on both movies. So I think the first one made over sixty. So I mean, you know, this movie—I I feel like it was projected to make anywhere from six to eight million this weekend. Hopefully, the, it does the first that. mechanic, 2011, six point six out of ten out of one hundred eighteen thousand reviews on IMDb, and a forty-nine 
Metacritic See? score. Same, wrong, same thing, but... Yeah, it's pretty much like a rehash. Same movie kind of deal. Yeah, but it's... it's the Nothing day wrong with that. You know what you're getting out of a exactly. Jason Statham and it, 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 To me, it's either you love him or you hate him. Right. You know? Yeah, we kind of understand what we're getting out of it. Hell, I, what, what was it? Crash? Was that movie where he needs the adrenaline? Oh, Crank. Crank, yeah. I like that movie. Oh, I love that movie. That and, and Crank 2 High Voltage. I'm still I, waiting for the trilogy. I didn't I didn't necessarily care for the second one. I, I did see it, but the first one with Amy Smart, fantastic. Oh, she, and she's in both. Well, whatever. She's, and, and, and they have another little public sex scene again, which is even more wild than the first. I liked it a lot, though, because of like the idea of you got to keep cranking yourself up oh, with adrenaline. It, it, epinephrine. Yeah, anyway. it, it was different. He's yeah. doing that. He was drinking Red Bulls. It, yeah. it was It was awesome. I really actually like the concept. I haven't watched that movie in years. I used to watch it religiously. Uh, coming soon this week into theaters. Any closing thoughts on Mechanic Resurrection? I mean, it's... You don't have to really go out and see it. I mean, you, obviously, if you want to support the movie, great. But you, know, you definitely... I would say at least it's worth checking out if you've seen the first one. Uh, coming out this week, I'm going to tell you, man, we're going to be... Summer blockbuster season is over. Yeah. We're hitting the we're hitting the lulls. I would say it's going to be tough until I probably think November until we get Doctor Strange. Well, September sixteenth is Blair Witch, but like for the next two weeks, we're not going to spend any time because this week coming out, we got The Light Between Oceans, Skip Trace with Johnny Knoxville and Jackie Chan, Kickboxer Vengeance, Yoga Hosers. Morgan. Oh, that was directed by Kevin Smith and his daughter, Johnny Depp's daughter, too. Good for him. Morgan. <laughs> white girl. Morgan actually looks kind of creepy. I don't know if you saw the trailer. It, the the poster looks kind of yeah, creepy, it's for kinda sure. Looks, it looks creepy. It's a drama horror mystery starring Kate Mara, who is, quite frankly, one of my absolute favorite I mean, human even beings. Though, even though she was terrible as Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four. She said she'd be down for a sequel. Did you read oh, that? I, I did, but I, I hope none of them come back, because <clears> that was Fox is not one of the worst films. Fox is not. Ever. It wasn't even that it was... What? I mean, that was horrible. It was boring. It was boring and horrible. Boring. It's pretty bad. You're right. <laughs> White Girl, The Ninth Life of Louis Drax, Max Rose, and Zoom. That's what comes out this week. Nothing that jumps I'll, out to me. I'll be honest with you. At all the movies, I probably will be seeing none. Um, yeah, same. I, 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 I kind of want next week, I kind of want to see Ghostbusters. Like I, the, the new one? Yeah. The I, one that's been out for I, a while? I just want to form my own opinion. I know the movie got so much hate. Um, I'm wait. I'm waiting till it comes out for free, and then I'll watch it. I'll wait till it comes on HBO or Cinemax or Showtime or Encore or Stars, and I'll watch it. I mean, I I, I still may wind or up right to Netflix. I still may wind up doing that or that or the other. Um, you mentioned that last week with Robert De Niro, Hands of Stone. Mm-hmm. It was about the boxing movie. That that looks pretty good. I, not may, another damn boxing movie. I can't. Creed was really good, but other than that, oh, don't worry. The sequel's coming to that too. Sure, Michael B. Jordan, man. Oh, he, he he needed to redeem himself after uh, Fantastic Four. <laughs> moving over, moving over to music before we end the show uh, on some video game talk. Uh, I'm sure there are a billion, a billion records that have been announced that are coming out, but two that spoke to us recently. Yeah, for me, it's got to be Kings of Leon. October 14th, they come out with their new seventh studio album, which I've been highly looking forward to. Um, CD called Walls. I know Kings Leon isn't your cup of tea, you know. <laughs> cup of tea, hey, you know what I mean. I mean, it's with Kings. You either love them or hate them. Fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love. Wait, them. wait, 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 wait. Their sex is on fire, right? Yeah, yeah. Fucking hate them. Oh, okay, well, that, to be honest, even, like to me, that song is so played out. Even, oh yeah. Even when I go see them live, Dude. I pray that they don't. I mean, they play it every time, but I pray they don't play it because it's 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 overplayed. Yeah, and uh, that song is overplayed in '09. Oh yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, that's a song I don't ever have to see, hear again. Did you see the damn video? I think it was on Facebook or probably YouTube, and it just went viral on Facebook of the the wedding. 
that the bride came out instead of here comes the bride. She came down the aisle to that song unedited. No, I, I didn't. I have to show you that oh, video wow. when we're done here. It is so trash. Yeah. No. Oh, that, white trash. Oh, white trash. She's coming down the aisle dancing all sexy to this song where people in the crowd, th- there's They're curses shocked. and everything. Shocked. They're shocked. The, f- the, I mean, the look on people's faces, no way it was staged. Zero. Yeah. I am 100% believe that that was a real video. I mean, I would be completely shocked myself. You don't see that every day. And it's so funny, too. There's an iron, there's an ironic story. So the other record coming out this week is Two Tongues. That's Max Bemis of Say Anything and Chris Conley of Saves the Day. We've seen both of them live yep. individually, but we've never seen them together as Two Tongues. I actually have tickets for October 8th when they come into our area with my buddy. Um, so we're excited for that. That's their first ever headlining tour, and they're supporting it with the record called Two, coming out October 14th, the exact same day of Kings of Leon. Here's the ironic story. If you think about Say Anything studio album, self-titled Say Anything, number five, I forget the name of the actual song, but Max Bemis has a line in that song where uh, he goes, and somehow the Kings of Leon still find time to write songs about girls. Ironically, no, it, 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 same day. It definitely is funny, and it's ironic that that's the only say anything album I actually listen to. You are a insane human being. You know, it's it's tough for me. And, and the Kings, one of my favorite bands of all time. He is so lyrically gifted because he wrote he wrote albums while in a like mental institution. The guy is a genius. Well, I, mean, I, I, I give a twisted him, genius. I give him props there. You know, I definitely can you know, knock his talent. Yeah, their new record, which he said was the his he wanted to be his Kanye record. This is his twist twisted dark fantasy record i didn't hit for me the new say anything record it came out of nowhere the production quality isn't up to snuff and they've they've been going downhill the, the say anything self-titled is my favorite yeah. say anything record of all time followed by is a real boy and probably in defense of the genre next um probably no hebrews hebrews is, yeah, I was gonna hebrews say, is really good i know their latest album i think i listened to it once or twice there's only i think one song i really i really liked and that was really it so uh like we said there's probably and and i dropped my phone on our recording table um there's probably a million records that come out but in reality we're gonna talk about the ones that speak to us just like we talk about the same video games that speak to us and the same and hopefully you have a common interest and if you don't go go get yeah, it give them a chance give them a chance i mean it's october 14th they were i believe the two tongues record wasn't even recently announced um, it might have been announced with the tour. I'm not sure. But for some reason, I missed it. And I only saw Friday, this past Friday, that the record was announced. So if I'm late to the party and you already knew that, I apologize. Yeah. I mean, hey, but if not, now you know. Let's switch over to gaming. We're going to end the show on some gaming topics. We have one, two, three, kind of th- two and a half, three, four, five topics but in one segment we'll do a quick review of what i think out of king of fighters deus ex and madden the best of the bunch was surprisingly madden um i'm not a huge deus ex fan but this year's madden madden 17 i alluded to it last week when we were kind of previewing it looked great and it is it's the most fun i have had playing a madden since you and i played Back in PS2. No. Did you get it for PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation 4. Oh, nice. I went play, and it sucks because um, I texted I texted my buddy. Sam's pulling out the, the game right now. It's got Gronk. It's got Gronk on the cover. But there there it is. Um, it is so funny because I have a bunch of friends that have PS4s and a bunch of friends that have Xboxes. So I made the decision to get it for PS4. Uh, I just play it more often. I feel like I would play it more. I didn't feel like switching my HDMI cords in the in the, the consoles back and forth all the time. If I get it on the console I play more on, I'll just kind of play it more. So I get it. Then I text everybody I knew that I feel would have an interest. I texted you. 
I'm going to hold off. Texted my buddy, <laughs> texted our friend Bill. Yeah, I'm going to wait till NHL. I don't, I don't want Madden. Texted my buddy Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to get it for Xbox. <laughs> then, then I got a text from somebody saying, yo, I just picked up Madden. And I said, oh, me too, man. He goes, yeah, for Xbox. <laughs> so, so I am the only one who's going to have this damn game on PS4. I, I mean, for me, even like back in the day when, I, when I, it's been years since I bought Madden, but when I did, I'd only played for maybe a month and then I wouldn't pick it up again. So I figured I would just save the 60 bucks. Yeah, I play it throughout. See, the thing is, it comes out at a perfect time, right in that preseason oh, lull. So it gets me so hyped for week one. I'm sure that's their marketing right. plan. It's perfectly done, right? It gets you right into the, the, the hype of it. I would say right around training camp. But then they can do those last-minute roster updates that they need to. Um, so they release it during um, preseason, and it gets me hype as hell for the season. And then I usually play it up until – Probably the playoffs. I'll play it through the the regular season, and then once playoffs hit, my attention goes towards playoff football. Hockey's back, so and in way full swing at that point because we're talking January here. So, um, and then NHL will be out, and Bioshock will be out, and Gears Four will be out, and Pokemon Sun and Moon will be out. <laughs> there goes your, so your life. and South Park Fractured Butthole will be out. So it's like there goes my entire gaming thing. So Madden is like that thing that I like before. I woke up at five forty this morning because I've been so used to doing that lately. So I came down. I played. Eagles Redskins. So it's what I did yesterday morning. Woke up at five forty five before work. Played Eagles Lions. So did um, you win? I'm five and zero. Oh, so uh, maybe six and zero oh now. Suck on it. <laughs> That's right. No five and zero. Oh, I had a bye week. So um, it's the best Madden I've played in a long time. It's it revamps the run game, which is helpful. Sometimes annoying. Sometimes it makes automatic cuts uh, for you, and you don't mean to juke. It just does it. One time it worked to my advantage, where I had a quarterback sneak from the twelve yard line, ran down the sidelines, and at the two, without me doing it, my quarterback planted his left foot, spun around, and yes, I'm using Carson Wentz, spun around and ran into the end zone and evaded two tacklers without me doing anything. So that was kind of annoying. So I pumped up the difficulty to all Madden. They get rid of that feature, which is really nice. You can turn it off in the earlier features, too. I found that out. Is there still truck stick? There is. There's so it's not called truck stick anymore because it's just so ingrained in the game. It's just truck. Truck. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can do um, really aggressive ball hawking type defense where it usually is just hit triangle or Y to like defend the pass. But now before the pass comes, you can hit a button and it goes aggressive. Um, so you can go ham on it or you can <clears throat> play the body. Uh, it's, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I'm sorry. So I, it's really revolutionary for that aspect. It doesn't add like so, so much to the gameplay. The gameplay is still really good at its core, um, but they added that feature, made defense more interesting. They added a bunch to franchise mode. They almost made it like an RPG, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. So in previous games, you could upgrade your coach. You could upgrade your, char- or your, your characters, your players. You could update your roster. Um, but this year, and I think it happened in the past few years, but they didn't put it on screen. Now, whenever I make a tackle, a little plus three will come up above the guy who makes the tackle, and then the rest of my defense all has plus one just pop up. They just get a little experience points for doing stuff. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, you throw a touchdown, you get like uh, Todd Gurley. I played an exhibition game as LA to start the game. They just automatically put that put you in that situation. I ran it in with Todd Gurley. I got a plus fifty five just for running in. And they never did this on. Other Madden, right? They, I think they did because there was in Madden 15. I even remember there's a progression system. So the way franchise works works now is you can play as a player, you can play as a coach, or you can play as the owner. The owner, you do more top end stuff. I play as the coach because I get to to have full control over the roster. I can upgrade the coach, update the playbook, but I also play every game um, as every player. Yeah, so I wanted well, to play the coach. It's that middle ground. What we're used yeah, to in the I traditional gotcha. season mode. 
but now I can upgrade my coach and um, they give you weekly goals for each player, season goals. So now Zach Ertz caught a touchdown right this morning and it said goal completed. Zach Ertz, one catch, touchdown, boom, XP. Uh, Jalen Watkins, one out of three tackles. Um, you know, so every player gets Todd Gurley, uh, 40 rushing yards and then uh, 150 is the next goal. So it like yeah. makes you want to get, let's to, get better. Progress. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic the way it like kind of ropes you into wanting to do more. Like I wanted to throw. So I made a trade. One of my favorite players in the NFL is Devin Funchess. Um, I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan. So I made a trade. The Eagles have shit wide receivers in real life. So I got, uh, I made the Doriel green Beckham trade, but I also got Devin Funchess and I wanted to throw a touchdown to him really bad, but it said, um, Jordan Matthews would get the credit if I did like extra credit for additional XP. So I throw it to Jordan Matthews. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. So it's like it's like little things like that that really rope you in. The downplay of the game is the commentary. Unfortunately, they brought in a new team this year, and it is boring as all hell. They're just kind of dry. Well, I feel like no matter what, usually people always say something about the commentators. Yeah. You're right. You're totally right. Now, would you recommend this game? I would say I would recommend this Madden as much as I would any since 06 came out on the 360. I would say this is the best one since the PS2 era, probably Madden 04. Um, high praise. A very high praise. I'd probably give this one a good solid 7 or 8. It's got a good core gameplay. Madden's back, I feel like. Uh, it's difficult, but but fair. Um, the trading is really fun to do because it's really realistic. I said everything as realistic as I can. That way I can't just make any trade I want and stack my roster. Um, yeah, it got to be somewhat fair. Using Carson Wentz is a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. As an Eagles fan, uh, to play as the future already, it's it's so good to play. And he's only a 77, but it's just it's fun. When I win a game with that, I feel accomplished because I don't have, you know, Drew Brees or yeah. Tom Brady as my quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Well, I just hope we have a good year with him this year. Well, he's not going to play. At all? No, he's the third string quarterback. Oh, okay. Sam Bradford's our quarterback. Chase Downs our backup. Carson Wentz is going to play third string role. So, well, at least you'll get him in the preseason. He's the future. He broke his rib, so he's out for the rest of preseason. Tape it up. That's cool. But, <laughs> um, still, regardless, I'm just excited for our future. Uh, so I would say go get go get Madden if you have any interest whatsoever in in football in Madden in the old way of doing it. It's back. It's fun. Um, in terms of up- upcoming games. We feel like there's like not a ton of upcoming movies or games, but there's one game that stuck out to us this week that's coming out finally on August 30th, Attack on Titan for PS4. Yeah, I mean, it looked, it looked decent. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the anime myself than I'm probably going to be the actual game, but I'm, I'm sure people will get it. It's getting pretty good reviews all around the board. I'm seeing 7 out of 10, 7.5 out of 10. Um, they're praising the fast-paced gameplay, the story. It follows season 1 of the anime, which is the only ones out on it's the only one out on Blu-ray right now. Season 2 will be coming in 2017. Um, so it's the story that you know, but you finally get to, to take control of Aaron and Mikasa and you're finally doing, you know, slaying a titan, which is a rewarding feeling. You know what I mean? You're using your I forget what they call them, the the Clot titans. No, 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 not the titans. Obviously the titans. Oh. Titans. I'm talking about the 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 things they have on their hips that shoot out so they can go places. Oh yeah, my, I, I forget what they're called. The, that maybe right like now. 360 something or others. But you know what I'm saying. The things that are attached to their hips that they can almost use like Spider-Man power type yeah. of deal, right? So those things, zip lining type of deal. So exactly. So you're using you're using that to go around the city to slay Titans, and you're <clears throat> obviously hitting them in their weak spot in the back of the neck, the soft spot in the back of the neck, and they're going down. And you feel it. Um, I was watching a bunch of gameplay on it. I'm hype on it. The problem is I'm not going to spend 60 bucks yeah. on this type of experience. Neither am I. I would. I'll get 
probably the same, if not more enjoyment than just watching the anime. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's the exact stories the anime. You know another franchise that does this like over and over again is Dragon Ball Z. Like so many Dragon Ball Z games, they just play the anime out and they've done it a hundred times. Like which, how many times but, but which is a great idea though. Sure, but it was a great idea in ninety eight. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. With Budokai. Like that was a great game. Budokai one was arguably the best. Shout out to Budokai. Budokai's fucking great, man. But now like it's it's good. I'll read you a verdict. So uh, from IGN, a lot of people don't like IGN. I really do. I don't have a problem with IGN. They gave it a 7.3 out of 10. Here's their verdict. Slaying Titans is a satisfying, bloody mess thanks to fun and fast combat. The meat of the campaign follows the anime through fun mich- missions and features varied play styles for each of the characters that match their personalities well. While the epilogue suffers from serious pacing problems, being able to get through some of its more tedious missions with friends to make the extra content a little less of a pain. This, Though the epilogue has pacing problems, Attack on Titan is a fun, bloody take on the series. 7.3 out of 10. So it gives me hope that this game is good. I'm going to wait for it to discount to 20 30 bucks if ever maybe i'll find a flash sale on amazon or something like that and i'll pick it up but it's definitely not something i'm like itching to play right now i can put i can pick that game up keep it in the wrapping for a couple of months oh until, easily until yeah. i have a backlog that i can get through might as well wait till like black friday or something like that the price should drop by then yeah maybe that's actually a good thought um because by then um I'll probably be headlong into Gears by that time, so because that comes out in late October. Um, actually, I'll be in Sun and Moon. Actually, yeah, that I comes out say. in mid November. So. I would say a, a quick note. Another Attack on Titan news would be the the um, the live action movie coming out on Blu-ray October fourth, part one. Yeah, part one. It was originally just in Japan. It released in theaters. Didn't release theatrically over here. Kind of got shit on. Uh, they say the Titans look really kind of derpy, but good it's like a realistic i mean if you've seen attack on titan the anime the titans do look derpy they look kind of oh it, it's stupid it, it's like a weird goofy type animation right. but the actual anime it's i mean it's brutal i mean these yeah. are man eating giants it's, yeah. it's brutal and the anime is really good i think it at some points it gets overblown because they do have a lot of filler episodes but man the meat of that story with with aaron and what he goes through and uh, i mean he watches his mother get eaten yeah right you know, right in front of his face i mean spoiler alert then it becomes a damn titan. Yeah. So it was really fun. It's a fun anime to get through. Um, then you have the surprise of the female titan. And who is it? And this, that, and the other. And you kind of knew. But yeah. when they did say it, it was still pretty neat. Oh, it was awesome. I, I can't wait for the next season to come out next year. Yeah, and that season two, like we said earlier, will be dropping in 2017. Overall, though, would you say that it's a little overhyped or what? <sighs> the anime or the game? Or just the anime. The anime. I, I wouldn't say no. Our, our buddy Machi actually got me hooked on, and and to be honest, after episode I think really two, I was I was hook line and sinker. I, I'm pretty sure I banged out that whole first season in like a week. I mean, it, I, it, it got me going. You know, blood, gore, violence. You know, that little touching story. You know, I'll tell you, man. I really, really liked it. I, I'm okay with some filler episodes. Dragon Ball Z has hundreds oh, of filler episodes. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> Most of them are filler episodes, to be honest. There's probably more than not. The, I, mean, my, I still have a very high pedestal for anime. My favorite anime of all time is Yu Hakusho. Well, so. I don't want to give mine away. So, but we'll, we'll do that list sometime. Oh, we probably will. And, and for those of you who... Uh, I didn't say it. You didn't hear me just say Yu <laughs> I take it back. Um, it's a great show, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I do hold a high standard to anything else because Yu Yu is like 
underrated, in my opinion. Doesn't oh, get e- enough e- love. Easily. Doesn't get enough love. And Attack, because, first of all, the animation in Attack is some of the best I've ever seen. And it's brilliant, and it's got a great premise, and it's bloody, and it's gory, and it's dark. So I can see why it caught on. I mean, it, it, and it looks great on Blu-ray. You know, rather than you know, the DVDs, I, I can clearly see the difference. Yeah. And overall, I mean, go watch it if you haven't. I mean, like, I bought both seasons combined for 30 bucks on Amazon. I got them for sale. Um, but it's it's worth the watch. If you're a big fan of the, the show uh, and the movie coming out, pick up the Blu-ray in October. Pick up the uh, pick up the game coming out this Tuesday, uh, August 30th, I believe that is, or 31st. Yes, 30. Pick it up. Um, moving on, we got... Just two more topics to go through, and they're the usual topics. First of all, I think this is like the first episode. No Sun and Moon trailer this week. Yeah, nothing. It's, well, it's about time. They, I think they released enough new Pokemon in, yeah, info for a little while. Let's put that on the shelf for over like over a month now. Oh, easily. We got other stuff to talk about, brother. It is Sam's Pokemon X Journey time. Where are we at now? Well, you know, I know the, the last week, you know, I got the first badge. This week, I, I didn't get a chance to get to the, the second gym badge yet. I told you it was going to be a long trip. It, it, it was a trip. I know there was a, a Snorlax in the way. You know, <laughs> there generally is in every game. Then you got to go back, get the flute. But, and I did catch him, by the way. I didn't want to let him go. Yeah, level snor- uh, level 15 Snorlax with the sassy nature, immunity ability, tackle, defense curl, amnesia, and lick. Not in your party right now because it looks like you almost just caught him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I caught him and then I saved right after. Yeah, you're at the daycare right now so you're uh, a pretty decent way to the second badge um i'm warning you now you're probably going to want to get the second and third badge by next week because they're really short it's like not far between i think i got to the third gym in 10 minutes after the second one well it's just you know for me like i i don't know all these pokemon you know like obviously you know first and second and kind of third so (laughs) i just kind of run in the grass i'm trying to see these guys i want to catch them you know what i mean that's the beautiful part about this type of game right like the way i play video games it's slow burn i think on episode one or two i mentioned i was on chapter 12 of uncharted 4 i'm now on chapter 17 like it's only five chapters and five i usually only play on saturday and sunday mornings for two hours at a time maximum so like i do a slow burn plus i'm an adventurer type in my games i want to go find everything yeah, i'm a collector same. i go to every inch of that game and i cover it all in- unless it's you know unless we're talking you know god of war devil may cry i i, I it's hard for me to stop <laughs> uh let's talk about the updates to your party so um, again, no new badge for Sam, but he did catch some new Pokemon. So, update. In his party currently, and those buttons you hear is, yes, my 3DS as we speak. He evolved, and I'm sorry, did not evolve. He upped his breaks in from level 18, I believe, last time to level 23, Fire Spin, Flame Charge, Ember, and Psybeam. He is all out of attack. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's stacked. All out of attack. Uh, then you have your level 19 Pidgeotto, so you evolved yeah. your Pidgey. I yeah, gotta get that Pidgeot. Then you have a 14 B drill, yeah, which I will be taking out for yeah. the other guy you recommended. And we'll talk about that in a second too. We have level 17 War Turtle, so you got Squirtle up there. Nice job. Love the uh, love the Blast Toys line. And wait till you see keep the, keep War Turtle in your party. Oh, he ain't going nowhere. Wait, He's wait till you on. see uh, what this game delivers. That oh. is the big feature of the game overall that you probably haven't seen yet. No, no, I don't know nothing. Wait, I know nothing. I, I, stay, just, I purposely stayed in the dark. Just wait. Okay, yeah, you, you know me. He ain't going nowhere. You put your Flabebe in your party. I Good for you. you. Good for you. Fairy type. Tackle, Vine Whip, so it has, has a grass move. Fairy Wind and Lucky Chant. Keep Flabebe going until you get um, until you get else. up there. Okay. Yeah, until you get up there. Um, if you catch an Eevee, though, the new Eeveelution in this game is my by far my favorite. Um, so 
work work on getting as many EVs as possible. I caught nine EVs and evolved them into all nine things that EV can evolve. I was I was gonna say I know I did get some kind of rock thing, like a, a stone to evolve. I think it's for EV. I remember we'll, I did grab something. We'll see, man. We'll see. So uh, let's see what else you got. Up, f- oh, you evolved your Fletchling into a Fletchin Fletchinder or Fletchinder. It's probably Fletchinder. Uh, level eighteen. So. Fletchling was just a flying type, but when it evolves... Yeah, I actually learned Ember. Flyer, uh, flyer. <laughs> flying fire type, which is probably the biggest surprise to me that just like the normal bird you run into in the beginning of the game isn't just a normal type anymore. It isn't just a flying type. It evolves into something badass. So you got a fire flying right there in Fletchinder. Um, that gives you two flying type Pokemon and a Beedrill. Let's go through your box because I think you have a couple things in your box that really deserve to be out there. You still have your level three Scatterbug. You still have your level two Caterpie, your level four Panpour. Good thing you didn't put that in your party. Yeah, they're, they're, they, ain't, they ain't coming in. Your level four Kakuna is still there. Your level three Bidoof is still there. You have your Ladybug, your Combi, your Bunnelby, your Zigzagoon that you took out of your party and put in. But you caught one, two, three, four, five, six, seven new things. Really nice job. My favorite being, and I told you about this, Hone Edge. Yeah, the, the, it's a sword. Uh, I mean, I, I I couldn't even describe the the, the Pokemon here. Uh, but I mean, I know most of the texts I tried to even use to to hit them. It wouldn't even affect them. So I didn't even know who the hell I was battling. But eventually, I called him. And I know you said to put him in, put him in. So I'm gonna switch him out with Beedrill. I told you if you find a Hone Edge, catch it immediately, put it in your party, and watch this thing grow and evolve. This was my tank when I was playing through this game. It was my, uh, it was a wall for defense. I taught it some attack moves that really helped out. It was my favorite Pokemon using throughout this game. Right now, in those Tackle, Swords Dance, Fury Cutter, Fury Cutter, and Metal Sound, it's a Steel Ghost type. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, like I, how good that thing I mean, was. I've never seen him before in my life, but hey, I got him. It's neat because it looks just like a sword, but there's the eye. It's its hand. It's holding its uh, holster and its hand. So it's like, and it's a it's a ghost type. Let's hold on if I can. Let me uh, see if I can go read its Pokedex entry because I believe it's pretty creepy in this game. You also have your Snorlax, which is nice. You have a Pancham as well. Pancham is a fighting type. Uh, Panda Bear. It's really neat. It, it's funny you mentioned Razor Ramon earlier in the, the show because it's got like the little leaf sticking out, kind of like Razor Ramon with his toothpick. Yeah. It's really neat. It's like a greaser type of panda. It's awesome. Yeah, and I think he, I think he, he actually popped up a lot in like the, the real tall grass. I don't even, that was, I don't remember the, the super tall grass in the old games. Was this new for this? It's, it might not be new for this game, but it is, it is a newer. It actually might be new for this game because now it's finally in 3D, so you can kind of tell the difference. I'm not 100% sure if it was in Gen 4 or 5, but it definitely wasn't around when, when you. Yeah, it. it was new. I didn't even know I could walk through it to be honest. Pancham, by the way, your your fighting panda evolves into something badass. So hopefully you put that in your party too and evolve it because it deserves to be evolved. It's so badass. I'll try to rotate. Right now I'm going scrolling through. I'm looking for uh, Hone Edge in the Pokedex for the game. I want to read you its entry. Apparently this Pokemon is born when a departed spirit inhabits a sword. It attaches itself to people and drinks their life force. <laughs> That's pretty serious. So badass. Hone Edge. And then it evolves two more times, so it's three evolutionary stages. It's right. so I'll, I'll take it's, it's I, baller. I promise you next time he'll be in my he'll be in my lineup. So how how's it how's it going? Like no, no it, it's 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 got me interested. I even I think I even texted you earlier in the week basically kind of how much does three D S cost and <laughs> my stuff favorite like that. text ever. And you know it's Obviously, it's you know probably around two hundred bucks, one seventy five, two hundred. But um, it's 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 worth it. It's you know especially if they have like you said, I think they remastered the 
well, the blue. They didn't remaster. They re-released uh, the Game Boy, the old Game Boy versions of red, blue, and yellow, completely um, you know, untouched, except they added Wi-Fi to it now. That's pretty sweet. I, I to be, it, Playing this is making me want to play the red and the, the silver and gold again. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, and they have Soul Silver and Heart Gold um, out there as the Gen 2 remakes for, th- for DS, which you can get and play on your 3DS. They're a little bit more expensive because they're pretty rare, especially if you get them with the Poke Walker, which is like the Pokemon pedometer, but like so sick. And I'm really glad that, A, you texted me about the price of a 3DS because that's just nerdy as hell and awesome for me. That would be cool as hell to play with somebody else. Um, number two, though, or B, I'm just glad you're having a good time with it and kind of enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's nostalgia there. You know, if, you know, sometimes after work, I'm tired to sit down for, you know, 40 minutes, whatever. It's a good way to, you know, pass some time. It's a good way to unwind after yeah, a long definitely. day's work. It's fun. Did you touch Uncharted yet? Say that again? Did you touch Uncharted yet? Uncharted? No, I, I didn't get a chance, but it, it is next to the PS4. <laughs> cool. Um, the last thing we'll talk about, and again, we'll update you on Sam's journey through Pokemon X every single week here on We Podcast and We Know Things. But our last topic for the day appraisals they added appraisals to pokemon go so it's an update that lets you appraise your pokemon which basically means almost like score it and it's your gym leader it's your team leader i'm sorry so mystic um oh my god i'm blanking mystic v- oh man what are the two other teams uh, the red uh, valor valor and instinct in- team instinct isn't it It sounds right i think so uh, I'm, I see, I'm team mystic so yeah see i'm that's I'm, all I'm, I'm, uh, you're valor aren't <laughs> yeah, you yeah i'm valor that's how i, I you think know. it's instinct is yellow I'm not 100% on that. It's like, we'll go with that in, sure. unless someone says but something. The three te- <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, let us know in the comments. But the three team leaders actually have a way into the game now where they basically come on. You go to a Pokemon in your Pokedex. <clears throat> excuse me. And they pretty much just tell you about it and what they think it's worth. And basically what that does is it shows you its actual worth. Every Pokemon, even if you catch two of the same Pokemon, even if they have similar CP, they don't act the same. They have different abilities, different IVs. Um different attack different speed different everything so what this does is it basically goes in and types kind of appraises your pokemon so i'll do one right here for you on the air i'll go to my high cp i'll go to my starmie here when i click on starmie i'm going to go to appraise it's in between favorite and transfer now so she pops up hi my username i'm available to analyze your starmie if you wish overall your starmie is above average i see that its best attribute is defense its stats are noticeably trending to the positive. Your Starmie is tinier than than any we have on record. Astounding. Little baby in me. This ends my analysis. Farewell. So clearly my Starmie is not fit to be a leader. A leader. Now that's pretty sweet. I, I mean, I know my leader would be my, my Lapras. He's like 2,060. I finally broke the 2,000 mark. Oh, congratulations. My highest is uh, my Ric Flareon. <laughs> that's funny. I got my Ric Flareon, my Tentacruel. My Starmie, Gold Duck, Hypno, Rapidash. They're my they're my big six in terms of just CP alone. Definitely not my favorite by, um, yeah, by my standards. I know my, my top four would be you know, my Lapras. I have um, Gyarados, Executor, and my boy Charizard. God, Charizard. We put that up on our Instagram at We Podcast. We know things just because I don't know anybody else that has a, a Charizard. Yeah, so it's I, pretty I, neat. I think I only seen one Charizard. You know, I, I know a little secret spot where all you, they char, where Charmander basically pops up like Rattatas. So as usual, Sam and I are going to go shoot some hoops. Maybe we'll go on a Pokemon walk after that for Pokemon Go. But this has concluded the first, last, and only episode five of We Podcast. Now we know things. Go to iTunes and Stitcher. Like the show. Leave a star rating. Please leave a review. It helps us out more than you know. Go to Loot Crate 
tonight on our website, WePodcastThatWeKnowThings.com. Go on our Facebook page at WePodcastWeKnowThings, Instagram and Twitter at WePodcastAndWeKnowThings, and on Twitter at WePodAndWeKnow. It really helps out the show, just those little tiny things that you can do to keep us rolling. We'll bring you a new episode every single week. We'll see you next week for episode six. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.